the axe of the blood god. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cap Bailey, broadcasting here from Japan with the 8-4 crew, and I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves one by one, going around the table really quickly. Hi, I'm John from 8-4. Hi, I'm Roy, also from 8-4. I'm JJ from 8-4. Are you from 8-4 too? <laughs> I think so. Everybody here is from 8-4 except for me. We have another 8-4 cross Axe of the Blood God podcast. Yeah. We did this last year. Last year, we were talking about translation in games. This year, we're going to talk a little bit about JRPGs then and now, because I've been mm. kind of reflecting on what it was like 10 years ago when I moved here, which is kind of crazy to think yeah. about that it was a full decade ago. But I mean, the fact that you guys lived here kind of gives you guys a really particular perspective, and that's why I wanted to pick your brain on it. But first, mm. talking a little bit about what I've seen in Japan, I've been going around to a lot of arcades, yes. and I didn't even realize that Dissidia is back, and not only is Dissidia back, it's actually in the arcades, and oh my Pod god, Forum. it is the most confusing thing that I've ever seen. This <laughs> it is, looks good, it's, though. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, graphically, it's pretty impressive. Graphics are... It's, it's, it's like, what, loosely based on those Gundam arena... Mm-hmm fighting games yeah that was the first thing that i thought of was that because it's a team game now so you got um four aside i think it is you know three aside and they called a team game or is it a party game since final fantasy i have are you in a party i'm like i I haven't been to it like i would know i haven't been to an arcade in a long time just because you just because you live here actually i think because you live here it's not you know that is there all the time so it's not like you have to run out and see one but i know you visiting you know it makes more sense why are you visiting by the way uh, why am I visiting Japan? Yeah. Um, why are you here? I'm no. here because I like you guys and I want Aww. to come visit. And I want to come into the Japanese sweltering summer <laughs> during in July because I don't know any better. Yeah. But more importantly, I'm going to be at Bit Summit Woo-hoo. over the weekend in Kyoto. And yes. I'm going to be seeing all of the Japanese indie games. Nice. But first, I'm starting here in Tokyo because I like coming and seeing as many people as humanly possible. But as for Dissidia... Um, Interesting game. Uh, it's very similar to the PSP versions and in the respect that, you know, you have to like work down their HP and mm. then you get them into or you work up their braves. You're, like you lower their brave stat until they're broken and then you do a lot more damage mm. and then you can eventually knock them out. And there's an arena set arena. It's a lot bigger than it was previously and you like knock them against walls and everything. Mm. The fact that you have multiple people on the field at any given time makes it a lot more dynamic and interesting than it was before, because previously it was 1v1. Mm. And that was fun, but it got kind of old. So I'm yeah. like, oh, that's kind of cool. You're like in a team fight and everything. But it's not like, you know, it's not a party, as yeah. you were saying. Oh, I see. Yeah. It's like it's not like you're going to have a healer and a tank and everything. It's just like everybody's running around, oh. hitting one another. Uh, sometimes you'll drop a summon. Or whatever, and 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 that's fine, you so, know. Like, so there aren't any like clear specific roles. It's just a bunch of characters, and they attack and pretty much, yeah, kind of free okay. for all brawl. It's pretty much a free for all brawl, and it took me a little bit to figure out like what I was supposed to be doing, but I eventually kind of got the hang of it. The thing that's kind of weird is you have to get a card, like a Nesca card, mm. and to actually be able to play against other people. So I've only been able to play through the computer to this point, but I am gonna figure out how to get that Nesca card. Darn it. Yeah. 
in Japan, in Japan, most arcade games have some sort of card system to save your data and stuff like that. Like unlockables for the Mario Kart arcade game, for instance, are tied to a like a Konami passport or whatever they're called. And like if you play the game by just putting a hundred yen in there, you basically start at the beginning every time. Only certain things are available, and certain tracks are only available. You have to buy the card to actually get through the real game. And a lot of games have connections with cell phone apps too, right? Like mm. there's like yeah. cell phone versions of the games where you can like basically connect your data and then use it to do different stuff like in both versions of the game. Or yeah. Whatever. But so what was the arc? What, so where did you play it, by the way? Um, I actually ended up playing it at the Taito Game Station in Shibuya. Okay. Right underneath the big camera. Right, right. By and I also played a little bit in Akihabara. Um, so, like, I was just kind of going around and hitting as many arcades as humanly possible. And I'm going to go to Mikado tonight nice. um, and play some shoot 'em ups, but that's not RPG related. No. Um, and we'll talk a little bit a bit about that in the 8.4 podcast, which you can also listen to, small yes. plug. 8-4.jp. <laughs> But (laughs) let's talk about 10 years ago. Yes. Okay. 2006. 2006. Paint us a picture. Man, 2006. So I moved to Japan in May 2006, and the Xbox 360 had been out for a few months at that point. Yeah, came out in like the end of 2005. Yep. And the PS3 and the Wii had not come out yet. And Mm. at that time, like the Japanese development landscape was very different, I would say. Um, We were coming off a period of the PlayStation 2 being the dominant console. Actually, Final Fantasy XII had just come out probably a couple months before you got here. Yep. Yeah, it came out a couple months before I got here. It hadn't come out in the U.S. yet. Right. And in fact, when I first moved here, one of the first things I did was go to a game shop. And I was like, oh, my God, Final Fantasy twelve, it's right there. And yes. it's not out in the U.S., but it's right here. So I'm going to buy it <laughs> for right. some reason. <laughs> right. And uh, try to play it. And that's when I discovered the limits of my Japanese ability. <laughs> yes. Um, not an easy first game to play. No. No. But it was the first game I bought when I got to Japan. That was like the first major oh, really? purchase. Yeah, it was Final Fantasy XII. Because I, I got here February of 2006. Okay. And uh, yeah, that was like, I didn't have the internet. So I was like, I've got to play a game. So I sat there and played Final Fantasy XII. Oh, nice. Yeah. Man. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah, Grandia 3 came out that year, I think. Like earlier that year. Yeah, I just have most. I have mem- a lot of memories of Xbox 360 because it was super exciting at the time. We were like really. It was like the first, you know, next gen for the time platform, and like it was good. Like Xbox Live was a new thing, and that was exciting. And like, you know, remember the um, what was it, the blades or whatever, like the Xbox. Dashboard oh yeah, yeah. Like, all that stuff was really exciting, and there they had just made this like big commitment to Japan. Remember, they were like. We're gonna have, uh, you know, Sakaguchi is gonna be making mm. these games, like Blue Dragon and this, that, and then we're, and Mizuguchi is making a game, and, uh, they had, like, I still remember that press conference they had, where they, like, had all these Japanese creators. Microsoft clearly thrown a lot of money at them to try to entice them, because that was before Microsoft had completely given up on Japan, like, yeah. this generation. Um, and so, you know, it was exciting. Like, there was not a whole lot there right at day one for Japanese fans, game fans, but it was, like, the, the hope, the promise of, like, all these cool games. Yeah, at that time, we were still thinking that Japanese gaming was going to power through the next generation and nothing would change, but <laughs> we, were na- we were naive, I think. Well, I mean... Well, at that point, Japanese games had just been a mainstay for 20 years, right? Yeah. I mean, they had gone, they had moved seamlessly into the 3D period. They had completely owned the PS2 era. 
I mean, so many of the games. I mean, the Western developers have definitely started to break through a lot on console yeah, sure. in the Xbox period. But so many games like Metal Gear and Final Fantasy and everything were the dominant games. And I was just like kind of going through like RPGs that came out in like 2004 or 2005. And it's just so many Japanese games, right? Mm-hmm. Like this flood of Japanese games. Yeah. And a lot of lots way more mid-tier rpgs than you would necessarily see now like so many now it's a lot more like you're either you got your top tier jrpgs like your final fantasy 15s and your persona 5s or you got your well bottom tier jrpgs um the ones that are produced on a budget and are going for a very particular audience and Hmm. and that's fine right like i'm putting this like in a really like polite way i suppose well i think a lot of the (laughs) mid-tier developers are like shifted to mobile in japan like that's what happened like the market because the mobile market here for a little while i felt like and again i don't live in america anymore so i don't actually know like (laughs) day to day what the mobile game market is like like too much because i'm not in the midst of it but like here like for a while you know, Japan was very much ahead on the mobile game scene here before smartphones, right? We had like mm. our flip phones, and there were, you were starting to see like RPGs come out on there. And stuff. Yeah, Dragon Quest. Was yeah, the them. Fantasy Star. I had this a great Fantasy Star One remake that was never anywhere else but like Docomo phones. Like, My first and, like, flip phone had uh, Shining, uh, Shining Force Two on it. Yeah, yeah. This was novel and exciting back yeah. in the day. Well, it was, but that was like signaled the beginning of the shift over there. But like at that time, though, it looked like well, okay, America's you know there. Uh, mobile games are kind of becoming a thing there too it's going to stay the same all the way through but it didn't like japan mobile became this huge 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 thing tons of free-to-play games tons of like basically it made sense for everybody to kind of leave the console industry and move to the mobile industry i'm talking about like developers of those mid-tier games and stuff and like that's kind of what happened and now they're whereas in the west people kept making their like triple a games and their double a games and like kind of the industry remain stable there whereas here everything shifted to mobile and so that's why you have the huge gaps now i think mm-hmm. right they either did mobile or they like went full otaku pandering mode well, yeah that's true yeah. that's kind of like that's i would still define that though as like the low budget tier you know what i mean it's not like mm. those games are like high that's true they're not that's like true. using the latest tech or whatever so yeah but in 2006 um so i went to my first tgs in 2006 mm. um as a fan so I went to the, and I remember that they had the, they had Blue Dragon. Like, Blue Dragon was a huge thing that year. Yeah. Like, it had a huge line, like, massive booths, like, the whole works and everything. And Microsoft really thought that was going to become a <laughs> yeah. huge thing. I mean, and I don't totally fault I mean, them. I mean, no, I think that, well, this is our Final Fantasy, right? right? And they didn't realize that Sakaguchi was like, I'm going to make my Dragon Quest. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Which it wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but like it looked nice in 2006. He didn't even, I mean, it was a good, I think Blue Dragon's a really good game. And I actually like think that they did the best with what they had. But there's what I think what probably people in the West didn't realize is even when you have all those elements in place, because they also had the Shonen Jump manga and all this, they had like all the pieces for a big thing. There was an anime, but it just didn't stick. Like, yeah, there was an anime too. Like, it's like mobile games now. Like you could, there could be like a hundred really amazing mobile games, but only like five of them actually stick and make money. It was the same thing. Like they had the elements, and they just maybe it was because it was on Xbox. That's probably a part of it. But like it just mm. didn't become definitely was part of it. Big, mm. but and he focused very 
and the very Japanese audience, I would argue, with Blue Dragon, um, just in terms of the aesthetics. Kind of. It had, what's his, it had, uh, uh, what was it, Deep Purple? The Deep Purple um, guy, yeah. guy for, like, the, the boss beginning. music. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it had that Dragon Ball kind of look, though, right? Yeah, it, it had, yeah, it well, had Toriyama. Toriyama yeah. yeah, so yeah. the fact that Toriyama worked on it meant that you were going to have a very particular aesthetic. Yeah, but I do think that if it was on PlayStation instead, that it would have become much bigger than it did. I think there's just that, there was that, mm. there's that sort of stigma of an Xbox here where it's like the kind of this sounds racist I don't mean it in a really bad way but there is kind of the dirty foreign thing that's not Japanese like stigma with anything Xbox you know it's like they don't understand us it just couldn't break through yeah it couldn't break through it started well it started with the launch of the Xbox one uh, the the original Xbox one where like it was like scratching and ruining people's discs and that kind of ruined the image of Xbox for a long time remember that Mm. Um, but the thing about Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey was like you know, I feel like Microsoft's heart was in the right place, but it was one of those things where it's like, you can't just, you know, you assemble a dream team, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to make the best game of all time. You know, it's like, you can get Akira Toriyama, you can get Sakaguchi, you can get whoever, but like, you know, you got to do more than that. And I think Microsoft just kind of, they got the band together, but they didn't, you know... I mean, Lost Corral Odyssey them. is a good game too, though, isn't it? I mean, people really like it. I like parts of it. I never finished it actually, but I—it's one of those games where I'm like that. I'm never probably going to play again. Yeah. But like in my mind, I'm like it's in my backlog for when I retire. You know, like I do right. want to play through it someday. Yeah, I'm not saying they're bad games. I'm just saying that like I think it took more effort than what Microsoft was thinking. Mm. When Lost Odyssey came out, I'm glad you brought up Lost Odyssey because yeah. that came out in what. 2008 it's all a blur to me now yeah yeah, yeah. around give or take five years yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and when that game came out i don't i want to say that was like when the backlash against jrpgs in particular hit overdrive uh it was and around I, then yeah and i and i say this because everybody was like the 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 rap on that game was oh he's just doing final fantasy 4 again but in hd mm-hmm. and it was kind of slow and it had these beautiful stories but they were all told in text yeah 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 it was interesting they had that was another case though where i mean for the tra- they, first of all the manga artist um that was Inoue-san, right yes. uh, who's uh, like a vagabond, a vagabond slam, dunk. And slam dunk he's like amazing amazing one of probably my top three like favorite artists and they got like even for the they got a really famous writer I forget his name to do those like special story novels things. and then they got like Jay Rubin to translate them so like they got like again they got all these like big players in place and then it it still didn't really work out um, but can I rewind a little bit I you you went through the day I didn't actually go through and look at all the RPGs that came out those years but I'm hmm. wondering where does Eternal Sonata fall in all this because that's that my like 07. first memory of like a but that was before Blue Dragon, right? Like, I mean, as far as like releasing, because that was like my yeah. first memory of like a quote unquote next gen, you know, JRPG. So, like, 2012, mm. a lot of JRPGs were still previous gen. They were still PS2. So Final Fantasy 12, Valkyrie, Valkyrie Profile 2, Somaria, that kind of thing. Okay. okay. Um, Grandia 3. And then in 2007, right. we started getting our, the first few games, like Eternal Sonata. Yeah. Um, like, the next, the the big first wave didn't really hit until 08 when you were getting like Vesperia and Last Remnant and everything. Right, but right. Yeah, 07 was Eternal Sonata. And I, I'm actually looking at it on your shelf right now. Oh, really? <laughs> Sitting right there. <laughs> yes. 
What do you know? Yeah, we actually translated the parts of that game, the English version, um, like the the story, not the whole game, but we did a big chunk of it. But we didn't do like the voices or some of the minor stuff. But I, I just remember it from a player standpoint because it was like, oh, this is what I was an RPG fan, and there weren't a lot of Japanese games that used right. like really next gen graphics at the time, and it was the first like actually really pretty. Uh, again, next gen RPG. And it was a for great idea. I mean, yeah, it was a great concept. I don't. I execution didn't pan out mm. all that well. I think, but I wouldn't call it like a bad game. But I would mm. just say it was like it wasn't as good as it should have been. Um, but that to me was like, oh, you know, you can do pretty graphics, and oh, and Xbox 360 can do like actually because Xbox 360 in particular was had a very like clean, you know, anti alias look for everything that just looked really like Dreamcasty. You know, just everything was just nice and looked like really bright and vivid on the screen. Whereas right. like PS3 was kind of like jaggy and stuff early on. Yeah. Um, that, that's like the first one that I saw and played though, that I was like, okay, there's potential here, but I feel like nothing happened after that for a while. Like, You're right. It was like that. And then silence until oh, wait. what Kat was saying. Yeah. Valkyria Chronicles came out, but then like mm. the, there was a giant drop off. Yeah. But meanwhile, I'm like totally in my own universe here. Cause so in 06, I moved here mm-hmm. and I brought with me my GameCube and my GBA? I didn't have a, and my like fat DS. Right. And, and that's what I played on, right? Cause I wasn't in the industry yet at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was just playing whatever. And, oh, I had my PS2, right? So I was just playing kind of whatever I, I found. Um, and like lots of games were coming out on the PS2. And I got like really deep just into playing Japanese games, like games that I would buy here. Like I got big into Super Robot Wars. I got uh, like big into like anime games. Hmm. And like I learned enough Japanese that I could get by with most of these games. In fact, I would say that I was buying almost exclusively Japanese games. And I bought a PSP and I was playing like all those games and everything. So I was completely in this universe at this time. Yeah. Completely oblivious to all the changes that were going on in the US. And this continued all the way through the early part of 2009. Yeah, it kind of like <laughs> the PS3 era was kind of like the dark era for games in Japan because there was up until Western games started to come out here more often, there was like a very like Okay, maybe there might be a game I want this month. I don't know. Mm. Like, the DS kind of carried it for everyone, but in terms of, like, console gaming, there wasn't a lot of stuff. Well, I was thinking, I was focused on the Wii, to be perfectly honest, because I was like, oh, because I was, like, in full Nintendo yes. fangirl mode. Well, they, I mean, we got Captain Rainbow, for mm. one. Uh, that, that Forgot counts as an game. RPG, I think. I mean, that was the thing, was that the Wii was the biggest thing going, right, internationally. Like, it did really well here, if I recall correctly. It did. It did really well in the U.S., like, outside success, total letdown in terms of RPGs early on. Like, early on. Like, yeah. it wasn't until a few years after it was out that we got Last Story and Xenoblade, yeah, yeah, that story was, was the shit, man. That was pretty far in. But I mean, Nintendo systems after the Super yeah, Nintendo. Yeah, last story were, was 2011. Yeah. After Super Nintendo, we had like three Nintendo platforms in a row that had like a pretty much shit showing of JRPGs, right? Yeah. The GameCube had like a couple, like Skies of Arcadia, and like there were a couple games here and there. But like, N64 had like nothing, like Quest 64, and that wasn't even from Japan. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, GameCube didn't have that much. And then we, yeah, like you said, until the later. 
uh, but, half of the life did it start having like actual. But RPGs? the thing was that the Wii came out and it was you know a huge success, right? And like all of the developers like immediately pivoted and went, "Oh crap." Okay, the Wii is a huge success. We got to put games on it. Mm-hmm. And like EA did like a huge pivot, like all of these companies, but they didn't put the games that were good on it. So they went <laughs> yeah. uber casual. RPGs just didn't really come out on it. And it wasn't until like Nintendo started throwing money at RPG developers and that's how we ended up with Last Story and things like that. And they we got they got Monolith to make Xenoblade and everything. And and that was awesome. And then we had to work really hard in the US just to get them out. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that got made and <laughs> that's the thing with Nintendo consoles like RPGs just like what John was saying just were not a strong suit. It was all the DS. Like yeah, DS, DS was like a RPG machine from I mean, literally an RPG machine for, uh, maybe from like 2007 all the way through the beginning of Just the 3DS. Because that's life. what everybody was playing. Yeah. That, I mean, that's also, the, again though, that's like a, if you step back and look at the big picture, like, and, and, and we're talking about JRPGs in particular, obviously, but like, you know, that was because Japanese developers did not graduate to the next platform. Exactly. The next console platforms, but rather to handheld and mobile. And like, so rather than having people putting all their efforts into making console games, they're making DS games, they're making, you know, Game Boy Advance games, they're making, they're making like stuff for handheld platforms. And like, that's where their expertise was, right? Back in the day, everything was 2D, everything was exactly. like systemic based. It was like, that's how they had grown up playing games and they didn't really make the adjustment that was needed to kind of learn the new platforms and that's why everything was like Phew. like right. all the all the JRPGs went away basically <laughs> exactly they they had they they couldn't i mean because of all the shit with unreal 3 uh not having like proper documentation for japanese and stuff like that a lot of japanese devs kind of retreated to mobile because they could use a lot of the knowledge that they already had from previous generations and make the games they wanted to without having we, we to can go deep on this too like i don't want to go too deep because this is wasn't even what your topic was about yeah. but also like japanese developers at the time if we go back to that era like typically made their own engine for every single game yes. they made. they didn't even use other engines to do stuff so like the idea of having to do that on technology that was getting more and more expensive to produce games it was just like didn't make sense and so thus the japanese like the jrpg boom sort of died off yeah, the Japanese console. Console boom. boom. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <of> <laughs> it's well, also Sony's fault. I remember, so one of the first articles I ever wrote was actually for the original EGM, um, for Milky, actually. And I was previewing a bunch of JRPGs that were coming out at that time. And Star Ocean was one. Mm. Uh, Star Ocean for the 360. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Which is funny because the, the most recent Star Ocean just came out. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we worked on the on the on Star Ocean Four, and that's mm-hmm. like you know, that's one of those that's one of our that's one JJ of those laughs. games that I. Well, you know what? Like I, Star Ocean. I actually really love that series, but I feel like they've just never they lo- kind of lost it, lost the plot literally w- with the plot. You know, yeah. like the stories have been kind of terrible, and they've never really rebounded from that since. But like that that uh, series started off with such promise, but yeah, it's yeah. weird. The latest Star Ocean, you could call it. Tales of Star Ocean, and I don't think it would be... They both came from the same, you know, office, basically. I mean, yeah. those two series split off from the same DNA, so... But. That's funny because that's funny because we ended up talking about Tales in, when we were talking about Star Ocean in the last episode, so that makes total sense. Yeah. But, yep. yeah, I previewed Star Ocean, and I previewed a little game called Last Remnant. Oh, yeah. Which uh, was actually a... 
was actually on the Unreal Engine. Unreal Engine right. 3. Is what what version of the game is like still in development or something like that? Still Wait, in what? development. There was some. There was like Last Remnant and Famitsu was like well, on was the most PS, wanted. There's a PC version, right? Wait, really? Oh, maybe it was the PS3 Does version. It, anyways, oh, for, Last Remnant. Okay, yeah. okay. We're talking. It did eventually come out on the square, PC. The Square yeah. game, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes. So that was in, that was interesting because I Milky did an <laughs> interview um, with the developers and I was transcribing for him a lot at that time mm-hmm. and. Like, the thing with Last Remnant was that Square Enix basically got a group of young Turks together and were like, make a game. And Last Remnant was the game that they were going to make. And they were using Unreal Engine 3. And there was, like, some excitement because it was like, oh, this looks really interesting and very different. It was a weird game. And it turned out to be a very strange game and also, like, a really really janky game. Like, And you were talking about, like, Unreal Engine 3 not having kind of the proper documentation and everything. Like... That was kind of like exhibit A of like developers kind of struggling a little bit. Yeah. But then at the same time, at that same year, like Vesperia came out and that yes. game was gorgeous. Yes. I love that game. They're still using that engine to this day. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to, yeah. Yeah. Well, when it came out, like it just was so vivid. It looks so fantastic yeah. in HD. Um, and like people are like, well, it starts out kind of slow and it's very JRPG. Like once again, the backlash against JRPGs at that period. Yeah, sure. But it was still like, it was a, so that team, the, so we worked on that game too, just for the record. I mean, we worked on, there weren't that many JRPGs around that era. And so we worked on most of the big ones, but like that was another mm. game that we translated and we worked that one. We did pretty much the whole game, but, um, we just didn't do the voices, but, um, Vesperia's director, was you know the soul caliber dude like it was like and he's i forget his name right now Higuchi. yeah Higuchi son and he's like a really like his track record he's made just all great games like he's he worked on the smash brothers stuff for namco after tales and like you know he left the series after that game and you can tell like that was the last tales game i feel yeah. that had like all the elements came together in a really great like epic way um and that game yeah that came out on 360 in america right but yes. not on ps3 because there's a ps3 version here but I'm actually I would have to look that up. Yeah, I don't think it came out on PS3. I I always thought of it as a 360 game. Yeah, yeah, right. It was 360, and it was yeah, it was definitely like to me was like the first one of the first really big like yeah this this too is like a next gen JRPG but a good one and like it was exciting and it was fun to play and like the the overall was huge and you could see far off and everything and um yeah that was like my probably my favorite Tales game and we worked on a bunch of them but Mm. and meanwhile. Uh, and then that was also the year of Valkyria Chronicles. That which, was awesome too. Yeah, that was, was a gorgeous game. Like, so it suddenly it felt like Japanese developers kind of came around, but Valkyria Chronicles didn't sell very well. Tales was still a like lower tier than your Final Fantasy, right. which was still the A standard. And by the way, Final Fantasy wasn't anywhere to be found in this period. <laughs> Not yet. Not till lightning reared her. <laughs> I, I, I sort of Pretty feel little like... Head. Okay, so, I mean, it's a well-known story at this point. Final Fantasy thirteen was introduced in 2006, along with Versus thirteen, which mm-hmm. is now 15. Right. And also Agito thirteen, which, which became Type-0 type zero HD. Right, right. which or was literally zero. a flip phone card game when it was yeah. first announced. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, and Versus 13 was going to be like the Kingdom Hearts style game. Yeah. Because in 06, like Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in like 06, I think. Was which it? is crazy to think about. It's been 10 years wow. and Kingdom Hearts 3 still isn't out. Right. But there's been like 2.8, 3.5, 4.5, 5.5. 5.5. 5.5. 5.5. 5.5. 5.5. 5.5. 5.5. 5.5
three and a half times lots of math 45. has happened. <laughs> a lot of math has happened. <laughs> since two, We're since up to 2.8. <laughs> We're up That's to right. 2.8. Yeah. Um, and uh, Final Fantasy 13 was kind of like the poster boy for Japanese development during that era. It was like yeah. the forever delayed over promise under deliver they were making their own engine the crystal yeah, tools and they're right. like we're promising that we're going to make this like into our engine right and that kind of thing it just was like a you know a whole bunch of money spent on not a lot of reward because they people just could not get a grasp on how to make a game during that era fortunately now unreal 4 they got their crap together everybody's on board for the most part and things are better than they were before it seems like it i think they're looking up anyway i mean i feel like you know final fantasy 13 was like the beginning of like japan's like awkward puberty stages you know like where Mm. they were like trying to like go to the next gen but didn't know how and couldn't figure it out and like it took years and a huge fall i mean they lost like you were saying back then cat like you know their top uh all the big games were from Japan, right? But then now it's like most of the top ten selling games in every territory like are not games that came out of Japan, right? You know, unless Nintendo put them out or something. Like, and yet, it's changed quite a bit. And maybe this is getting a little ahead of myself, but when it feels like Japanese developed games, maybe because they have such a huge nostalgia factor, mm. always seem to get the biggest response, especially at like shows like E3 and that kind of thing. Like last you mean, year, in terms of people being excited for in them, in terms or? of people being excited, like mm-hmm. last year during the Sony press conference, um, they announced the Final Fantasy VII remake. They announced that Last Guardian was finally coming out, mm. and they announced Shenmue Three, right? Yes, and or the Shenmue Three Kickstarter at the very least, yeah. and everybody was like, "Well, yep, yeah, Sony won!" Like, look at all this stuff that they're this amazing stuff that they're bringing out. People are just losing their minds, right? right? It just seems like. Maybe it's just a nostalgia thing, but for a lot, in, in a mm. lot of respects, these games still get a huge response from people. A lot of people have really good memories of those days. Like the PS1, I mean, you know, we talk about it on our podcast, the PS1 era, the Super Nintendo era, PS2 era, those s- systems were full of like absolutely classic RPGs. Yeah. Games that like, all of us played when we were younger and cannot forget. And like to see those come back. I mean, you know, Japanese development isn't what it was back in those days, but those games are still good even today. Um, and it's kind of funny because I was just thinking as you were talking, like when there, there was definitely a, a point in the West where like people basically poo pooed all Japanese anything Japanese, games. yeah. Yeah, uh, Japan gaming was dying, and Japanese yeah. developers dying, and the industry was dead. And Inafune was going around like you know starting yeah. the right. procession. And but I, blah, I blah, can, blah. I think you can pinpoint the the turning point where Japanese games started to come back, and it was with Demon Souls. Yeah, uh, mm. that is when people uh. started to look and be like, oh. Okay, and then when I, Dark Souls I, hit, it was like, okay. Demon Souls <laughs> maybe was like the point where, because I remember when Demon Souls came out. Yes, and I remember that. Uh, 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 what was the uh, the video show you guys did at One Up? Uh, shit, why am I forgetting? One <laughs> Up yours? One Up, One Up show. Yeah, that's that right. was not One Up show. It was actually um, the co op. Yeah, it was co-op. Uh, That's co-op. right. Yep. Because uh, you and Roy, Ray... Ryan, Ryan McDonald. Ryan McDonald. Ryan O'Donnell, Ryan. sorry. And, uh, <laughs> All of those guys. Ryan McDonald. <laughs> we're uh, on it. I remember seeing that and like you and Ray defending it. And everybody's yeah. like, no. But I was just like... Mm. Matt and Ryan were like, nope. And Ray and I were like, yes. About Demon Souls? Yeah. Yes, because oh. 
when so this was 2009 and at that time i was freelancing out of one up's offices because i moved back in 09 and moving back in 09 like so i moved to the bay area and literally the day i moved to the bay area i met phil kohler and phil kohler's like come over to rebel fm because one up fm like one up had just had uh. its layoffs and everything just come over to one up at rebel fm i'm like Eh, all right, I'm not feeling very well, but I'll do it. And so that was my like second podcast ever because I had done Retronauts the previous year with mm. Kohler and Parrish and everything. And I and so we're like going around talking about the games we're playing, and I think I talked about some like Japanese game. Oh, I was playing Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon at the time, and I was nice. complaining about it. And <laughs> I didn't like Shadow <laughs> Dragon very much. And great, great localization though. That's right, that one. Yes, and that was the point where I was kind of going wow, like, I'm in completely a different universe in terms of where I, um, in terms of what people, like, how people perceive the games I'm playing, yeah. and, like, because I'm going, like, oh, yeah, no, no, I got to play Guitar Hero World Tour the first time, for the first time a couple days ago. Like, this is my first experience <laughs> with, like, the music games, because, like, they had been around since, you know, 06 or whatever. Sure, but, but they didn't come out here. But they didn't really come out here, and also, like, I wasn't going to be playing one of those games in my apartment because it was way too loud. Well, that and in, in Japan had Guitar Freaks and Drum Mania and all those yeah, games. Yeah, those were since... in game centers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was my first inkling. And then like the that later that year, I played Demon's Souls and I went on co-op to talk about it. Well, when I played Demon's Souls, I didn't have any expectations for it. Like I just... I, like Ray was like, uh, you can write about Demon Souls here. Because <laughs> I was doing the RPG blog, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I need something to write about. Oh, here, here, play Demon Souls. And I started playing, I'm like, wow, wow, this feels really good. And wow, look, what are they doing with the online stuff? This is so cool. Oh yeah. my gosh. So, like, I was all in from that moment. And like, there was that moment where you fall into the pit and there's a giant monster there and you die. And then suddenly you're in the afterlife, and it's like, oh, I'm a failed hero. That's so cool, right? Like, it's like, I'm not the chosen one. I'm a failed hero. Yeah. And so, it's like, Demon Souls grabbed me from the very start, but I think it was Dark Souls. Yeah, I think Demon Souls was, like, the beginning, but then when Dark Souls hit, it went from, like, people like you and me who would talk about JRPGs and everybody like, okay, whatever, you're, like, the niche person. All of a sudden, like, the games that we play became the games everybody played again. Well, Dark Souls, when Dark Souls came out, there were some, there were certain critics who were so, like, they hated it. Like, they were, like, going, what is this crap? It's janky, and it's, like, do you see how much the train rate is dropping? And why does everybody love this game? I don't understand. They just I'm have banging my hand against the table <laughs> yeah. on the microphone. They Well, see, they, they were still in that, like, 2004, 2005 mindset where, like, you know, everything had to be like the Call of Duty, hold your hand down the pathway, blah, 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 sort of thing. And then Dark Souls was like, no. Yes, exactly. Brought everybody back. And it was the direct repudiation of that. Right. And so now, and now, like, people look to Japan and don't see necessarily, like, because now, like, Persona, people are fucking pumped about a new Persona game. And not just, like, JRPG lovers, but people who are in the media. Hmm. Yeah. Are excited about like persona you know that's i mean persona has always been like a, a a popular title amongst rbg players but like now it's kind of broken into the you know the almost mainstream well the 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 gaming zeitgeist I well, guess the hobbyists yeah well, especially among the hobbyists 
the technology barriers are kind of gone now yeah. and they're finally able to do stuff again whether it be through and en- help the help of engines or just because they figured it out but whatever like basically like it's not that hard to make you know good uh technology in your games anymore and right. so now japan's kind of back to i feel like what it was all the time which is like you know excelling at style excelling at like I don't like the word weird because everybody has that thing. Oh, Japan's weird. It's not that. It's different. just like, they just think different. outside the box. They're just something, yeah, off to the side a little mm-hmm. bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You always got your kind of interesting things that maybe others aren't willing to it has try. The, or... They have character. Sure. Not to say that Western games don't, but I mean, it's just that there's certain things a lot of about. Them don't. I know you're rolling your eyes. <laughs> there's certain things about you know Japanese games that I think really stand out and have always stood out, and I think people who really like games enjoy those things. It's not like we all like decided to be like japan lovers or whatever they're just good games and we happen to be well, drawn no. to them yeah I, I agree it's not like everybody like i think it's just that people started to you know take down the walls that they had build up over the ps3 era in terms of like how they view japanese games in terms of how relevant they are like i think now people are more keen to be like okay this it's like you know, the, uh, 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 999 Doors and, um, the other two games, the names I'm forgetting. But, like, those games are, you know, people talk about those games now. Whereas, like, you know, for sure, like, a puzzle-based visual novel style game would not have gotten play back in those days. Right. Well, there are a few things. Um, I think the worst thing, I, I totally agree with you, like, Japanese developers have kind of gotten back to where, they need to be in terms of having their identity because the worst thing was like circa 2010 2011 when japanese developers were saying we need to be more like western more developers. Oh, God. Oh, yeah that was I a know. dark time and they were yeah. and they that were creating time and they were creating these games that were like western games but only much worse <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like oh no please don't do that just please be yourselves mm. right and it's worth mentioning that persona 4 came out in 2008 but it was on the ps2 but yeah it didn't blow up on the PS2 though, right? It, it didn't blew blow up when up, it went portable. But I it was like, like Persona 3 and 4 where like it's that series started to really get traction. Definitely. And a lot of people like tend to kind of like view the Vita as a failure and for good reason, but it mm-hmm. was Persona 4 Golden I feel like where it the series seemed to just explode here mm, yeah. in particular. Like all of a sudden like Persona 4 stuff was everywhere mm. and it just There's seemed to be a game, big deal, anime. yeah. Music games, music dancing games. games. Like Persona yeah. Four, like everybody, like when Persona Four came out in 08, everybody was like, eh, pers- but it's it's just Persona Three again, but with character, with kind of the same cast, and but I don't like it as much, like, I, and I don't want to, and it's really yellow, and I don't want to <laughs> play it as much as Persona Three. And then Persona Four Golden came out and kind of caused everybody to reevaluate it, mm-hmm. and it seemed to just really catch on over here. Yeah. And the fact that Persona Five like had like a really big premiere for its trailer, I I think in like, uh, like an open air like were they showing it in Shibuya or something to that effect? That, they, was they it did Shibuya? something similar. I forget where it was, but they did something similar for their previous like unveiling too. I can't remember which game. Oh, it was when they unveiled like the Persona Q and like those other mm. like they did all spinoffs yeah. and stuff. But like. They've, they've figured out their audience and figured out how to unveil stuff in Japan to their audience with the live streaming and the live, and the, like they did a thing out in Shinjuku with the big screen at, uh, Alta and stuff. Like they, they did one at the uh, Tokyo Tower, right? right. Yeah. yeah. They, they basically understand their audience and know how to speak to them. And that's really important. Not every developer knows how to do that. Yeah. But. I, I think the other thing is that there's just the reason that these games like Danganronpa and stuff mm, are getting yeah. a lot more play is because A, you have, journalists who are like 
very passionate about these games will write about them. But you also, I feel like the current media environment is very friendly to niche things because these niche things will get played through streams, they'll get played through social media, they'll get played through YouTube. And people, and that just makes discoverability so much higher, right? Mm, Which makes people like much more, it's like, that's how Dark Souls truly exploded was because of the YouTube community and because of the streaming community. It's kind of funny because it's a good thing you bring that up because, you know, right back during the PS3 and Xbox 360 era, a large portion of that, you know, streaming wasn't really a thing. Like, Game videos were mostly like pre-recorded gameplay on a yes. website. Like the One Up Show and Co-op were big things because Twitch and YouTube were not really they didn't exist yet. I mean, they were things. both way ahead of their well, time. Yeah, yeah, it was a drag. Um, but now that those things are so commonplace and like everybody, you know, people base their channels around finding random ass games that could be fun, like uh, the Angry Brit or Total Biscuit. Total or, Biscuit, yeah, yeah. Um, and and now like these YouTubers have the power to take these kind of niche games that people normally wouldn't be talking about, and like turning them into big deals. And uh, that's been playing, I think, really well for Japanese games. Which is great, but at the same time, it still feels like there's something with disconnect, like. When I come here, um, I see that mobile gaming is still really huge. Um, yeah. So that's like kind of maybe the- even bigger than it is in the U.S. And oh, like, yeah. games- oh, it's much, Definitely. much yeah. bigger than the U.S. And yeah. Games like Puzzle and Dragons just completely dominate just yeah. all of the discussion. The- like, it's crazy. That's kind of the elephant in the room. But uh, Japanese RPGs today are mostly mobile games. Mostly like they, mobile, they yeah. like Grand Blue Fantasy, that is an RPG. They call it an RPG. It's, There's it's, a lot of games. I almost feel like offended to calling it an RPG, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's 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 sort the of the RPG. modern equivalent anyway. Right. Like, the the definition of RPG has changed a lot. You're on another planet right now. You understand that Japan is yeah. very different from the rest of the world and I know. we've had to kind of, we have to accept that cuz we live here. And it's not like we're shielded from overseas games. I play western stuff all the time, but it's like Sure. It is the market here, like your average kid here does not give a shit about any console platform at mm-hmm. all. Like it's I know. all phones or maybe 3DS, like until you're like 12 or whatever, you probably have a 3DS. And then it's not like you graduate to Vita, you just graduate to not playing those kind but of the games kid, anymore. the 3DS is now kid stuff. Uh, well, I think it always was, honestly. Like the 3DS has always been like primarily so. driven by like up to like 15 year olds or whatever, and it's probably because of Pokemon and your right. But you would still, but like when I was living here, you would still see businessmen. Like you'd see businessmen and housewives playing on the DS all the time. Like the yeah. DS, like was ubiquitous throughout trains, and maybe sure. not so much no. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Now it's, it's your iPhone or your Android, basically. I yeah, mean, that's it. That's what people do. I don't know how often. And I mean, on one hand, it's nice because I see more people interacting with like game things. Like, yeah. But a lot of times, it's just like some match three puzzle game that you know is hitting that part of your brain that just needs to be occupied while you're in between doing one thing and the next. Yeah. You know what I mean? I see a lot of. I see a lot of. Uh, monster sorting screens where you are <laughs> like people are looking at what monsters they've got and, right. and stuff like that. or like zoom zoom like moving color matching things yeah. so it's kind, of, it's kind of sounds like we've painted a dark picture for where things have come but i i think that actually like there's still you know exciting stuff happening yeah. in jrpg land i mean actually i hate the fact that it's 
I'm bringing up an example of a remake because I'd rather it was something new, but I'm really excited about Final Fantasy VII's remake. And I'm not even a big Final Fantasy VII fan to begin with. Right. Like, it's a good game, but I'm not like Roy who, like, grew up it's on it. It's what is, like, created is, me. Is, you know, Holy Bible. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII created you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like, born up until that break. point, games were just, like, kind of like a fun way to waste time, but that, like, changed everything for me. Wow, um, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, like, to me, like, that looks like, you know, they they're not just picture for picture re- remaking it right there they seem to be trying to do new things with it and they're they're hopefully it looks amazing it. you know yeah. it's like taking like the things we loved about square back in the day and hopefully hopefully, hopefully. we don't know yet some of the like new kind of things that are making games interesting today and putting it together and so right. I mean, you're you saying uh, from, by all accounts the ps4 is actually doing pretty decently here at this point certainly better than the ps3 was doing yeah. at the same point last generation here you mean in japan in japan I don't know for sure if that's true. Um, I mean, look, just anecdotally, mm-hmm. the fact that there are so many more games that are on both PS4 and PS3, um, some, uh, we're, we're in three, year three. Yeah. Okay. Year three was 2009. Games just weren't on PS3, right? Like, I was still buying PS2 games, like, pretty religiously true. in 2009. Whereas now, like, tons of games are coming out on PS4. Persona 5 that, is on PS4. Yeah. That was because in that era, though, they hadn't figured out the hardware yet. The yeah. P- but they have figured it out with, with this era, so it's different. And I actually see it the opposite. What I see is mm. the games are still coming out on PS3 because not a lot of people play on PS4. Like, yeah. if you're hardcore, you didn't graduate to the new hardware. That's why games like Star Ocean and, like, Tales and stuff, they won't not make a PS3 version because they know that their primary audience will maybe not primary but they still know there's a decent chunk of their, their audience domestic audience there. is going to be playing the ps3 version that's yeah so annoying I, I think we're near the end of it though like yakuza 6 is a ps4 exclusive finally finally <laughs> and i hopefully this is the last tales that's ps3 and hopefully well i mean persona 6 will probably be a ps4 you, game when the ps5 is out so <laughs> <laughs> well you're also seeing japanese developers who are getting a lot better at playing to western audiences mm-hmm. like they seem to understand now yeah. like oh this is what japanese uh, western audiences want mm-hmm. and so you're seeing stuff like igarashi coming out and like doing k- successful kickstarters with bloodstained yeah and you're seeing games like persona 5 successfully marketing to both japanese audience and the western audiences right and so it, in that respect like i think that japanese rpgs in particular are fitting well into that kind of that niche status because mm-hmm. like the the games industry as a whole has become so fragmented, and it's so rare that you find a game that's like universal anymore. Right, I mean, Overwatch yeah. might be one of the very few examples right yeah, now. Right, so. but you just so I I, pull, I have a copy of today's Famitsu in front of me, and I just pulled it open to the top thirty sales thing to kind of illustrate mm-hmm. what I think is like a problem. But like, you know, looking at okay, let's use Overwatch as an example, which is like probably the biggest you know the game that's made the biggest noise anywhere in the last you know whatever couple months. And that came out here in May, just like it did for you guys, but it's sold 99,000 copies so far. <laughs> and, like, that's just an example. That's a hit, kind of, too. Well, the J- Japanese don't play FPSs, right? It's not because of FPSs. Though. Look at the other games. I mean, like, like Biohazard, you know, Umbrella. Well, that game sucks, but still, it sold 11,000 <laughs> 11, yeah. 11, copies. Like, whereas 10 <laughs> years ago, this would have been 100,000 copies. 11,000 11, copies, and it's number eight for the week. Yeah, yeah. like, it's just the mar- people don't spend the amount of money they used to and the amount of time on on these uh game minecraft you know for wii u twenty two thousand. like people just aren't basically buying console games one? here 
Um, it's a uh, Harvest Moon, the new story of Seasons game. Oh, uh, okay. It sold one hundred and ten thousand, I guess. Um, it's which is actually pretty good, but that's three DS. It's tough to be uh, like a super breakout hit here in Japan. Yeah, I mean, when Final Fantasy, I'm really curious what Final Fantasy 15 is going to do here because it's, it's getting a pretty big push here. Like I've been seeing stuff already, like tons. It of is, stuff. but like. It's. I think it's going to be a huge hit if it sells like a million copies, like say in the first few weeks. Whereas back in the day, you were guaranteed a million copies on day one on a Final Fantasy game. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like even a million. I might be overdoing it. I don't know because again, people just aren't buying games on consoles, and it really sucks. But it'll be interesting to see. I feel yes. like it's one of those things where I think more people are going to take the wait and see approach for fifteen than you know they would have previously. Um, well, that's so, what happens when you get burned from like 13 exactly. and, it's, and it's can like burned a lot of people. So, so like yeah. <laughs> if the game does, if the game reviews poorly, we'll probably see like, I, I would assume 600,000 max the first week and then a really steep drop off. If it reviews poorly in Japan? Uh, everywhere. People, oh. people online, they, they see the scores from the West. Mm-hmm. So this is getting into like, this is going down a really deep rabbit hole, but <laughs> why? In short, why has the Jap? How, why have the Japanese gone so heavy on mobile and so light on consoles? Like as we've moved into past the PS3 era into the PS4. I always go back to a, a couple of things that are not. This isn't like any groundbreaking like revelation, but two things that are really obvious if you live here is that one. People are on the go all the time. You don't consume entertainment in your home the way you do in the West. Like your, a lot of your entertainment consumption happens on the train or, you know, mm. like, uh, you know, your house is small. So for example, that's why like VR probably won't be such a big thing here at first because you're liable to like break all your furniture if you have a VR thing in right. your house. Like I think part of it is just the mobile culture like makes sense here because people are always on the go. And then the other part related to that is also, yeah, you don't really have room in your house and like maybe you share one TV with your whole family and maybe there's just not room to do console stuff, you know. Um, PC market is not a big thing here either. Like people don't, people play PC games, but it's like generally like the kind of hardcore contingent that plays PC games. Not yeah. like your average person does not have like a Steam account and play PC games here. It just doesn't happen. A lot of people don't have PCs in general. Like they'll have iPads and stuff like that. But um, yeah, you know, Basically what John said, if you want to know why mobile took over, ride a train. Yeah. No, that's Ride a train true. in Japan and you will instantly see why mobile is sure, just you basic. you play with one hand. You can play with one hand yeah. and just like everybody's doing it. Everybody has a phone. Everybody needs to kill time. They've got these games. You can spend money really easily through, you know, whatever your phone bill account or anything. You just, you know, and it's content that is made and geared towards the Japanese people. And the games are cheap to make. Games are cheap to make. They're free. They excel at making those kind of games. There's a lot of things, too. This is not to say this is a huge point, but it's definitely a factor, is because they already excelled at making 2D games to begin with and never made that huge jump, they just, uh, you know, sort of slipped into the mobile thing kind of naturally because you're continuing to make 2D graphics and and do things that you've already got a skill set for. Like, there's so many 2D artists making phone games now. Add a dash of pachinko and... This is truly the darkest timeline. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, the thing is, like, I I see it both ways. Like, I am not a huge mobile free-to-play guy. However, like, you know, because Gung Ho made shitloads of money with Puzzle and Dragons, they've been using that money to fund real games as well. 
Yeah. Um, I yeah, think- I interviewed the Gung, Gung Ho's founder, actually, yeah. a couple of years ago, and I got to say, I was kind of impressed by the guy, because the guy was like, I'm a gamer. I yeah, love video games, and the reason that we made shitloads of money is because Puzzle and Dragons is not a crappy game. It's actually a decent game. Right. Yep. I been- made it with a game, and game first, monetization second. It's an easy formula. Yep. And Puzzle and Dragon is a good game. What do you What do you want? And he even and he's. I mean, obviously they're filthy rich now. They're li- they're literally bringing in millions of dollars a day on that game. Yeah. And yet, it's you know, everybody plays it. He acknowledges yeah. though that we, he did a GDC speech a couple of years ago, and it's like, what's our secret? He's like, luck. He's like, there is no formula to this. We right. got lucky. They've done tons of mobile games since then, and that haven't hit. So he knows it's not just something you can just do yeah. easily. But um, yeah, kind of getting sidetracked there a little bit. But I mean, generally speaking, I think. It's just the culture here, yeah. Like you know, even before phones, people primarily played on their handhelds here. Like Game Boy was huge here, Game Boy Advance was huge here, DS was huge here. Like PSP yeah. was tremendous here. I mean, just so people sure, are on the Monster go. Hunter. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. Uh, just as a total aside, we were talking about Overwatch uh, earlier, but um, you know, me and my son, we play Overwatch all the time, and uh, it was a couple weeks ago. He like. You know, as I walk him to school every morning, he's like, you know, daddy, nobody at school plays Overwatch. <laughs> like I, I asked them about it and nobody knows what I'm talking about. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably because like, yeah, well, that's the thing. Like Japanese kids, they probably don't get exposed to it because the parents don't really play hardcore games. It's pretty rare these days. So we live in a different world. But and like you call it the darkest timeline, though, but I, I see it as like I'm actually glad because I feel like I've got the best, I've seen the best of both worlds. And like, I understand, like we used to joke on our own podcast about the Apple utopia and like, it's the future and everything. But like, I still do ultimately believe that your phone is your connection to like everything. And in the future, it's going to be more than that. Your device is going to be like your minority report. Like everything is going to be controlled through something. And that's your phone or whatever your phone becomes. And ultimately, games are going to come from there, too. Like, you're going to be beaming shit from your phone or whatever to your TV. That's going to replace console games and PC games in the future. Maybe 10, 20 years from now. I don't know. But, like, it's all going to come from the same place. So you may as well get used to it now. If you're a developer, you may as well learn it and understand it. So when the time comes, you're ready to, like, make something and make money off it. Like, don't see it as, like, the end. Instead, realize that it's actually the beginning. It's just kind of far off and, like, learn from it. This is the beginning. That's my take on it. I have faith in the hobbyists and people who like want good games and i'm also really interested to see where dragon quest 11 ends up falling in japan um given that 3ds version is gonna sell like nuts i'll tell you that much like that's you think for sure. so oh uh, yeah well it seems like they're going 3ds for japan ps4 for the u.s maybe you mean like in terms of like design in like terms direction? of like well yeah yeah in terms of who they're gonna sell to like they're 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 pandering to both the domestic audience and the international yeah. audience as but it's much smart as because possible. everyone who owns a ps4 here will probably buy it too you know oh, that's absolutely. like so i mm-hmm. think they're gonna that was a really interesting and smart decision on their part um they just got to get it out soon before 3ds is like so old that nobody yeah. you know uses it anymore but maybe maybe whatever the nx is because they did announce oh, yeah it they the said NX. it's coming for nx too that's so maybe true. maybe like the portable nx if there is such a thing mm, i hope so yeah yeah all right, a couple more questions. Dragon okay. Quest, still the biggest JRPG in Japan? I think so. Mm, yeah. Biggest non-mobile RPG? My, train, my train's jingle is the Dragon Quest song right yeah. now. Oh, I gotta That's go so watch cool. that. Um, um, I mean, does Pokemon count? Uh, actually, yeah, if you count Pokemon, I would say Pokemon is bigger than Dragon Quest. Because I like, just went to the Pokemon Center and, oh my god. 
Like it just reminded me of just how ridiculously ubiquitous Pokemon is. Yeah. I like I'm mm. I'm waiting for a train and I look down at an advertisement for the Yokohama F Marinos, which are a J League soccer team, and they have a promotion where you can get a Pikachu in a Yokohama F Marinos like jersey. I'm like Nice. Pikachu's everywhere. Yep. Pikachu is Japan. Like he's become like Drymon and like um whomever else in in studio ghibli yeah. like yeah. as one of just the ambassadors for this country don't, so don't forget uh i think some another game we have to add into the conversation now is yokai watch though you think yeah. so? i think i think yokai watch 3 is gonna sell like crazy it's out like next mm. week right yeah that was i'm serious sushi and tempura next week i feel like i haven't seen that many commercials because you there. haven't been watching tv at <laughs> 5:30 in the afternoon. Uh, maybe I think that. I think that it's it's got I don't it's, it doesn't have the longevity that Pokemon has that's for sure. Like sure. Yokai Watch has probably already peaked. It may still be up in the upper, you know, areas of that peak, but I think it's on its way down. I agree with that. Whereas Pokemon is going to be just going forever like But in terms of what's big right now. Yeah. Yeah. But Dragon Quest still is the ultimately like if you say JRPG or, you know, just I guess in Japan it's just RPG, but like anyone's going to probably say Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy still. Like, it, those are the franchises that everybody knows, young or old. Um, there hasn't so, yeah. been a bad Dragon Quest yet, though, so. Yeah, I love, that's what I love about, uh, Horisan. Like, he's, like, managed to quality control the series all the way through. That's and, what we were talking about last week, actually. It was like, Dragon Quest still has that cachet, like, the quality control. Even when they've gone into spinoffs, yeah. it's just like, yeah, Dragon Quest still equals quality. Some of the spinoffs are really, really good, too. Yeah, like even, like, a game like Dragon Quest Heroes, pretty good actually i like it yeah, yeah i like it all right the second and i suppose the last question is where are we now with jrpgs like what does it look like uh i mean <laughs> if you play mobile games get it get it here if you like rpgs get a japanese itunes account <laughs> yeah there's like and a new go, one every month go to the highest grossing and then download everything with an anime character on it and you will see hmm. what japanese devs are doing now and like yeah. i'm not gonna say you're gonna I don't want to downplay those games because there's a lot of fun games on there. Um, you know, but uh, there's a, clearly a lot. Like someone was saying, how you know you have to fail a lot to to have that success. Yeah, there's a lot of failures. Yeah, there are a there's, lot of failures. Mm. But you know, the bulk of Japanese RPG development is there. But you also do see some console stuff, and I think we're going to be seeing you know Persona Five and Final Fantasy Fifteen. Hopefully, Final Fantasy 15 ends up being good. And if both of those are good, I think you will see a renewed, uh, renewed interest, faith in developing RPGs for consoles again. I, I feel like JRPGs just have their own built in audience because I feel like at least I'm, and I'm speaking strictly from the perspective of the West because I haven't lived in Japan for seven years now. But from the perspective of the West, I feel like the JRPGs have just their built in audience. A lot of them listen to this podcast, actually. Yeah. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for high-quality JRPGs and companies like Atlas and, to a lesser extent, Square Enix and a few others definitely provide them. And and so, in that respect, like, Japanese games still very much have their niche and JRPGs very much still have their niche. And, um, well, hopefully the JRPGs on mobile will get better. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think we'll probably see more people attempt to make actual, like, RPG RPGs going forward, but we'll see. We'll see, right? Um, I mean, when you're making money hand over fist, uh, making games like, God, 
I, I can't even like name most of them, but they all kind of look the same, and they, they all almost like, kind all, of demand money from you. They almost all have the word dragon in them. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, they do indeed. But with that, uh, Axel the Blood God, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else that podcasts are sold. And you can follow me on the underscore catbot on Twitter and also send me an email on cat.bailey at usgamer.net. We always look forward to hearing your uh, feedback. Um, and of course, if you haven't heard our flagship podcast from us to you, you should go check that out. Bob is filling in for me this week. Um, Hi, Bob. Yep. Hi, Bob. <laughs> um, normally, we're on YouTube, but... When are you guys going to have the, the Dennis Dyack, Bob McKay? Oh, my God. Don't even fight. talk about that. <laughs> I have so many thoughts that I'm not going to share on this podcast. <laughs> um, guys, promote something. Uh, we do a little podcast called 8-4 Play. You can find it on iTunes and all the other places. Yes. Although you mentioned a couple I've never heard of. But anyway, you can find us if you look hard enough. Um, We're on the Google Play and the and iTunes. the tunes of iTunes. And anyway, you can find us on Twitter, too. We're at 8-4 Play. Um, my personal Twitter is John TV. Roy's is... Um, at Kotori. I'm uh, SPRSK. And we localize a lot of games that you've probably played and that this podcast has probably talked about. Um, only the ones that you liked, of course. Yes. Um, but uh, we got anything out recently that we could talk about? Maybe not? Shovel Knight? Well, I that's want, Japan. <laughs> yeah. I want I'm that talking about Japanese in the West. 3DS box. It looks so good. Uh, the Shovel Knight, yeah, with the package. Oh, yeah. Mario and Sonic at the uh. Olympic... Rio Games. Yeah, there's, right. a, lot of, the there's a lot of dialogue Special in there. Special Zika Fire. Kind, of like <laughs> yeah. kind of like a JRPG, sort of. Yeah. You know, like Sonic and his friends. Don't on go the near beach. the ocean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, we do a lot of cool stuff. I think the most recent, like, big RPG we put out was probably Xenoblade Chronicles X. Um, yes. But we're working on some cool stuff now. Uh, just Ooh. It just came out that we are. Uh, Potentially working on the sequel to Nier. Um, yes. We worked on the first game, um, and that should one of be my very games cool. of the show at uh, E3 2016. Yeah, it's really, good. it's looking really good. It's, it's good. It's Another good. reason that I'm extremely, I, I don't know, I was actually pretty optimistic on that one. I'm like, oh man, this game's great. I love playing this. So, well, you know, the guys who, uh, the brainchild of that is Yoko San and his people, and you know, I feel like they're finally with a developer that really, really kicks ass. So, yeah. in a platinum game. So I'm I'm pretty excited about yeah. it. It looks great. Yeah. So I'm like super thrilled that you guys are potentially on that. Potentially, yeah. Yes. Potentially, uh, if potentially. you believe, if you're to believe everything Yoko-san says on the internet. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, thanks for having us on. This was fun. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you guys should listen to us as well. We'll be on the 84 Play podcast, which That's we're right. about to record That's as right. we say this. Um, and next week we will be talking about more stuff. I have no idea what, but we will figure it out. In the meantime, until then, I've been Cap Bailey. And for the 8-4 team, thanks for listening. See us, see you next time, and happy adventuring. Mm-hmm.